Hello, I'm Father Joe Roche of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Thank you for joining us as we continue our journey of reading The Mystical Temple of God by St. Stanislaus of Jesus and Mary Papchinsky from beginning to end. Today we take up from where we left off, beginning with chapter 23, part 1, pages 662 through 664. Chapter 23, The Immortality of the Mystical Temple, part 1. We who are temples of God are called mortals. How then are we going to become immortal? As far as the body is concerned, our eyes can observe every day that, after the soul has been set free, it becomes a cold, pallid, and finally a stinking corpse. Finally, it teems with barely tolerable rot. It teems with dreadful worms, and finally changes into ashes. Bernard said excellently, After man, he states, the worm, after the worm, stink and horror. Thus, every man is turned into a non-man. There is, of course, a divine decree against mortal man. For you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Oh, how wretched is our condition! Unless, of course, a better one is to be hoped for, to which the merits of our Redeemer will attract us. For we know, Paul encourages us, that if our earthly dwelling, a tent, should be destroyed, we have a building from God, a dwelling not made with hands, eternal in heaven. The necessity of dying is imposed on all, and it is even to be desired because of our future immortality. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead came also through a human being. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. For that which is corruptible must clothe itself with incorruptibility, and that which is mortal must clothe itself with immortality. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22, and also verse 53. Therefore, when once the brief light will set for us, we do not have to sleep everlastingly for one night, as Catullus dreamed. We shall all indeed rise from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15.51. Job, sitting on a dung heap and scraping the pus flowing from his almost decomposing body with a potsherd, soothed most pleasantly by the hope of future resurrection, said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the last day I shall rise out of the earth, and I shall be clothed again with my skin, and in my flesh I shall see my God whom I myself shall see, and my eyes shall behold. This is my hope, this my hope is laid up in my bosom. That's Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. There is no place for doubt here, not at all. We shall all indeed rise from the dead. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. All of us who are true Christians believe in the resurrection of the body, and quite rightly. The whole management of this world, says Augustine, is evidence of future resurrection. In winter we see the trees lose their fruits and leaves, but in spring they express the appearance of the resurrection in buds, flowers, leaves, and fruits, 
I ask you, he continues, who have doubts about the resurrection, where are the things that are produced at that time? Where do they hide? They are not seen anywhere. But God brings them forth with a secret power. So too the grass that lived before and dies revives once more from seed. In like manner, our body revives from dust. Nothing is more consistent with reason than this perpetuity of our mystical temple. There is an example in caterpillars and butterflies. We see how they are born, die, and revive. Lakes in winter hold fast the swallows immersed, but spring restores them once more to the air. Nature does these things. Will God not will God not do more noble things with my body, with his temple? Whatever tomb our mortal limbs were allotted, they will emerge immortal from it by the divine power, when the trumpet spreading a wondrous blast from the tombs of the earth will drive all before the throne. Then those whom the earth received in her bosom, the words are those of St. Peter Damien, those whom the waters swallowed and those whom destructive fire consumed all give back just as a deposit entrusted to them and restore life without any diminution of it. Let Tertullian, that most ancient writer, and this end this section for me. The body rises from the dead, he says, and indeed intact. It is everywhere in deposit with God through Jesus Christ, that most faithful depository of God. And you should know that what you think of as the destruction of the body is its withdrawal. It is not only the soul that is set apart, also the body has, for the time being, its own places of withdrawal. In waters, in flames, in birds, in beasts. When it seems to be dissolved into these, it is transferred as it were, into receptacles, so that it may once more be reproduced from them. Death and hell gave up their dead who were in them, said the prophet of the Apocalypse, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it, as from the book of Revelations, chapter 20, verse 13. In this chapter, St. Stanislaus of Jesus and Mary contemplates the immortality of both the soul and the body, in the first part of the chapter, he concentrates on the body. Here on earth, we are mortal. Each of us will die. But we know that our bodies are destined for immortality. In the Apostles' Creed, as well as in the Nicene Creed, we proclaim that we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. St. Stanislaus speaks of the corruption of the body after the soul is set free. After the original sin of Adam and Eve, God decreed that we would return to the dust from which we had been created. But St. Paul, who had been a tent maker by trade, reminds us that our earthly dwelling, a tent, when it is destroyed, God is preparing a heavenly dwelling place for us. Death was not part of God's original plan for creation. It is a consequence of original sin, along with suffering and sickness, etc. But on the cross, Jesus conquered death. It is now our doorway to eternal life. 
Before the Paschal mystery of Christ, the dead all had to wait in a kind of a limbo state for the gift of salvation. Jesus reopened the doors of eternity through his passion, death, and resurrection. In the Old Testament, Job, in the midst of his suffering, expressed a belief in eternal life. St. Paul tells us we shall indeed rise from the dead. And St. Augustine points to the annual cycle of leaves dying in the fall and new growth coming in the spring. So even nature gives us a, a hint and a glimpse of eternal life. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.